When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Alert Podcast. With you, as always, I am your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Ryan Bonaparte. And we're back with you today. We're going to continue our series on the basketball roster and then look ahead at the next football game on the schedule. So tonight we are covering Ethan Morton for basketball and looking ahead to the Syracuse Orange, uh, which will be the third game of the regular season for Boilermaker football. But, Ryan, I haven't asked you uh, a question at the top in a few weeks, so I've got one ready. Uh, Are you prepared? Prepared, maybe not, but ready, yes. Fair enough, fair enough, because you have no idea what the question is going to be. So um, this is the question that has been tearing the Internet apart uh, these last few months, and it's starting to come to a head as the date draws near. So on July... 21st, I believe, is the exact date. Uh, Two movies are released, and it is going to be Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah, July 21st, both of these movies come out. Could not be more different from one another. My question for you, Ryan, is let's say it's Friday night. You're like, hey, I've got time. I'm going to go to the movies. You got no impediments. You know, your favorite foods are at the movies. The the snack machine is working. Best seat in the house is available for you. Which movie are you going to see? I, I can't turn down a good Christopher Nolan flick. I, I would have to go Oppenheimer. I, I was going to say, for those that don't know, that is obviously Oppenheimer. Although, I would love to see Christopher Nolan's Barbie. Right, yes. 
Um, or for that matter, Margot Robbie's Oppenheimer. <laughs> Margot Robbie as Oppenheimer, directed by yes. Greta Gerwig. Yeah, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. Um, are you interested at all in either of these movies? Or, you know, because I only gave you a, a binary choice, so you could not really want to see either of them, but of the two, you've chosen Oppenheimer. I I like to watch movies. I mean, I would say I would watch both. Um, I just feel like I would be a little bit more interested in watching Oppenheimer. Um, it's just, it's more my cup of tea, but turning down a Ryan Gosling movie is hard, too. <laughs> he do, he does make some good choices, that Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, it I, I agree with you there. So, my follow-up question, and okay. this is this is the thing that a lot of people have been talking about on the internet. So, the movies come out on the same day. Let's pretend you have nothing to do that day, and you're going to a double feature of Barbie and Oppenheimer. Which do you see first... And why? Ooh, okay. Because I, I have strong opinions about this. <laughs> okay. So, this it comes into a mental question. How exactly. do you want to feel exiting the movie theater? That is exactly the right way of thinking it. So, so far, so good. Yes. So, you see Oppenheimer first. Okay. Because you know how Oppenheimer's going to end. Right, yeah. You there's... know it's going to end on a low note, well, for humanity, depending on who you had, you're voting, rooting for in the war. Anyway, you know how that's going to end, and then you watch the Barbie movie to lift you right back up. I, so, I understand what you're saying, but I can't disagree with you more. Okay. And here's why. I think you have to see Barbie first. Because, as you said, we know what Oppenheimer's about, the creation of the atomic bomb and the realization ultimately by Oppenheimer that, oh my God, what have I done? I am become death, destroyer of worlds. Mm. And that is just going to bum you out when you leave the theater. I think we both agree on that. And that is why I think you have to see Barbie first because Barbie is probably going to deal with like, you know, some harder feminine issues, feminist issues and stuff like that. But it's still going to be a fun package around those issues, and you're probably going to laugh, you're probably going to smile. I think ultimately it's going to be an optimistic movie. It is a Barbie movie. So I think you're going to enjoy it as you leave that movie, and then you go into Oppenheimer and it's much more serious. I think if you do it in the reverse, Oppenheimer will weigh on you as you go into the Barbie movie, and you're not going to be able to truly appreciate the Barbie movie. That's a sentence everyone thought of here five years ago. <laughs> oh, boy. I think my logic is sound. I, That's fair. That's fair. Because um, if you're going to see two movies in one day, you want to be able to enjoy both of them on their own terms. And I feel like it would be hard to enjoy Barbie after you've literally seen the destruction of Japan via an atomic bomb, and the realization by this guy that, like, I've created a thing that could destroy the entire world. And then you're like, hi, I'm Barbie. It just, it's, the dichotomy of it is is a little too much, I think. I would want to go see Barbie first. Okay. Follow-up question. Do you think that the Barbie movie will feature the original song by Aqua? Oh, it has to. Right? I mean, and this has probably been already released somewhere. Like, this is probably known, but you think it, it, it would have to. I mean, it is the definitive 
Barbie moment of like the last 30 years. Yeah. I mean, even if it's like in the opening or in the credits or uh, whatever it may be, because the whole idea of the Barbie movie is she lives in her own world, but then escapes to the real world. So maybe she would hear the song in the real world. I don't know. But it, I would think it would be a huge missed, missed opportunity if you don't use that song. For sure. But that, that's a good good point. It's, I'm sure the soundtrack is already released and we could find it out if we want to. Uh, but it also may be a hidden little uh, Easter egg, so they might not want to let everybody know. But right. I'm honestly, I'm excited for both movies. I don't know if I'm going to have time to see either one of them in the theater, but they both look great to me. I saw... Um, before a movie the other day, they showed a different trailer for Barbie that I had not seen, and it mm. was really good because it was like, this movie is for you if you love Barbie, and then did a little clip, and then it was like, this movie is for you if you hate Barbie, and then did a clip that was like disparaging of Barbie, and you're like, okay, these people know what they're doing. Like, this is mm-hmm. this is good marketing. Uh, they've they've you- got me. Oppenheimer doesn't have marketing. It's just a picture of Cillian Murphy's face like every other Yeah, just staring week. directly directly into things, looking kind of sad and forlorn all the time. Yeah, I mean, and then you have a countdown clock. Right. That's about it. Did you see? Uh, they So the Barbie, they've been doing everything to market this movie, and they mm-hmm. literally created, like, the Barbie dream house in Malibu. And, like, it's just a gaudy pink house. Um, And someone tweeted, like, quote tweeted with a picture of it and said, the Oppenheimer Oppenheimer marketing team has only one choice now. And it was just, like, a picture from above, so you know what they're talking about. But you're like, ooh, that is dark. Fantastic. I mean, this movie could be very explosive. Oh, ooh. That's just bad. That's just bad. So bad. All right, there we go. I think we've talked enough about Barbie on this podcast. Um, if either of us see it, though, we need to check in uh, and and see how it was. So look for that on a future podcast if either Ryan or I have time to go see the Barbie movie. Um, I'm sure you guys are all going to be on the edge of your seats waiting. But mm-hmm. as we said, we're going to continue our look at the roster for Purdue basketball 2023-2024. Today we are moving on to Ethan Morton. Uh, Ethan Morton just finished up his third year with the program. He will be a senior. And last year, uh, played in 35 games, averaged 25 minutes, which was an 11-minute increase over his sophomore year. Um, However, that's about where the good news statistically ends. Um, He he had some struggles last year. Uh, Field goal percentage fell to 32% from 47 Three-point percentage fell from 44 to 27. Free throw percentage fell from 68 to 64. Rebounds and assists went up a little over one uh, apiece. Blocks increased a little bit. Steals increased a little bit just by a decimal point. Um, But turnovers also increased a little bit. Um, Points went from 2.4 to 3.8. But when you're you're almost doubling your minutes, you would hope those points uh, would go up a little more uh, than 1.4 points per game. So... Uh, if you're if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you know I'm a a gigantic Ethan Morton fan. Um, yes. You know I love I love what he brings to the team that doesn't always show up um, in the box score. You know he's he's a hustler. He's a good defender. Um, always gets put on one of if not the top player on the other team. So I think he focuses so much on defense, and I think it is a common complaint now of Matt Painter 
that he does this with players. Um, he makes them focus solely on defense, and suddenly they forget who they are offensively. And I certainly think uh, former, you know, Pennsylvania Mr. Basketball or Gatorade Player of the Year, whichever one it was, Ethan Morton, um, mm. is more than capable of doing more on offense, but under Matt Painter's system, he just hasn't been able to do it so far. Yeah, and you really have the nail on the head. I mean, it really comes down to we would like to see his offense come alive, and this past season he just seemed much more reluctant to shoot the ball. Yeah. I mean, he averaged less than four shots a game. So not great. No, no, um, especially especially in twenty five minutes a game. Yeah, and he only averaged one two point shot per game. That is wild. That's like he has a decent mid range jumper. He just doesn't ever use it. And you know he played in thirty five games. He started twenty nine of those. And you felt like okay, at what point? Was it kind of just, I need to throw him into the game for his defense and just let everybody else go on offense? But it's, you wish he would have taken more shots more effectively. He does seem to be a very good uh, pump fake, blow by, and pass to the correct guy type guy. That is seemingly something he's very good at. And you appreciate that, but sometimes you just got to take that first shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think to reiterate and, and expand upon what I said about this being a common complaint of Matt Painter teams, it it goes back, I mean, gosh, at least a decade of it seeming like Purdue often plays four on five on the offensive end um, because there mm-hmm. is someone who is simply not a threat on offense and it doesn't take a brilliant tacticianer on the opposing sideline to look at the numbers and see that and then to game plan that, hey, you know, when this guy is in the game, you can sag off him, you can shade toward, you know, whoever else is on your side of the court, you can um, sag toward Zach Eady if he is in the game with him and do everything you can to prevent, you know, whether it's, um, you know, uh, whether it's Eady, whether it is you know, anybody else who is on the court, but don't, you you know, you can't let those guys beat you, but you know Ethan Morton is not going to beat you on offense. And that, I think, really, really hurts this Purdue offense. And I don't know if that is just Morton is using everything he has on defense or if he has just kind of been broken offensively by what Matt Painter is having him do. Right, and... You wonder if he, if how he could change his offensive play style. It's just sometimes there's not much room. Obviously, if you're kind of in high school and you're dominant driving the ball, it's all well and good. However, if there's a seven four guy in the lane that you can easily throw the ball to, you usually uh, do that. So you almost wonder if like. You know, he his style had to adapt, and it adapted for the worse just because he can't uh, do what he did previously. But that being said, he still has the skill set. He's just 
you know, not utilizing it in the same way as everybody uh, or yeah. he used to. Yeah, yeah. And to that exact point, I looked up his high school career, and during his career in Pennsylvania, uh, he had 2,198 points, grabbed more mm-hmm. than 900 re- rebounds, and nearly 700 assists. Uh, he helped his team to the uh, title game three times. And I understand, you know, high school basketball is quite a bit different than college. In high school, you can be a completely dominant player in your area and ultimately not have much, if any, of a college career. I get that. It happens all the time. Um, But when you're throwing up those numbers, when you're the Pennsylvania Player of the Year, you you just – you hope for better um, overall from a guy like Ethan Morton on both ends of the floor. I mean – his defense has been very good, and that, I think, is obviously what he's going to hang his hat on um, when he finishes his Purdue career. But Purdue cannot continue to have guys who aren't threats on offense. And, again, I love Ethan Morton. I love the way he plays. But he's just not giving anything on offense right. uh, for a vast majority uh, of the games that he plays in. I mean, he scored he scored no points in the last three games of the season. Um, and those were all win or go home games. Um, mm-hmm. He he scored no points, and he only took. I mean, in those three games, he took seven shots. Obviously, made none of them because he scored no points. But it's it is tougher and tougher for me to defend um, what he's putting out on the floor when you see games like that. It's hard. Yeah. And that being said, you know you see this happen with athletes, and it's. It's rough to see, but on the flip side of that, you know, what does he bring to the team outside of his numbers? As you said, you know, the numbers don't say everything, but he seems to be a very good calm down guy. Yeah. Like, um, you know, if somebody's getting a little too, you know, wound up on the floor, Ethan Morton's always seems to be right there to kind of help them move forward and kind of get their head back in the game. So definitely a good kind of, you know, I don't want to say coach because I've said coach too often so far (laughs) on these, but you know, he's a good leader on this team, even though he's obviously not the prolific scorer on the team. And you love to see that from everybody. So he's contributing outside of statistics at least. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, statistics do, they only get you so far. You can pat them, you can, you know, manipulate them. There's 300 different statistics you can look at. Um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, points matter. Um, yes. Your your shooting percentages matter. Grabbing rebounds matters. Getting assists for your teammates matters. Um, of course, it's not like hockey where you get, you know, the, the second guy gets an assist. So he may make the pass that sets up the pass for the assist, but that's not something we have in front of us and not something that we can record. But, uh, you know, going through and looking at him this season, and I, you may know this because you may have it in front of you as well. Do you know how many games he scored in double figures this year? I do know that. Okay. Just tell it, tell one. our listeners. One. Yeah. One game. And he scored 10 points in that game. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean... It's tough when that's your starter and he gets only one point, one game in double figures. Um, right. You just you assume it's going to happen 
you know, even in the earlier games, because the only game he got in double figures was a Big Ten game against Ohio State when Purdue uh, was on the road and won by two. So every single one of those points mattered. Um, he played 34 minutes that game. And mm. and I can't remember the exact game. Uh, it's, it's failing me right now. Um, but there was a game this year where Purdue was really struggling, and Ethan Morton came in off the bench, and I believe he hit two shots uh, in quick succession to kind of calm things down and get Purdue back in the game, and ultimately mm-hmm. Purdue won the game. For some reason, I'm thinking that's Iowa or Illinois. Um, I can't remember which one it is, but um, mm-hmm. that just sticks out to me. It's It shows really what he's capable of, and I just hope he's given as much leeway on to make things happen offensively as I want him to be because as I noted with those high school stats he's clearly capable of putting the ball in the basket um he's just not really been given that opportunity at Purdue yeah absolutely and for another reference he went scoreless six times that honestly that feels low he he scored one or two points uh, several times but yeah he had zero points six times yeah and as we said earlier the last three games of the year, uh, he was scoreless. So those are mm-hmm. those are the biggest games of the year. Um, you know, those are win or go home games. Uh, two of them in the Big Ten tournament, of course, and then the first round against again loss against Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, you know, no one really played well in that game, so it's a bit of an outlier. But uh, okay. that was it was a tough end of the season uh, for Ethan Morton. You know, he played 49 minutes in three games and scored no points. So. Mm-hmm. That's that's a tough that's a tough one and I mean he only grabbed four rebounds and had one assist so it, right. he certainly didn't um, put up the numbers that you'd hope in the, when the game and season was really on the line so that's that's tough to see but that makes the bounce back all the more sweeter there you go end it with some positive news let's let's see what are we, what are we hoping for Ethan Morton next year what do we hope he can he can do for us um I would. Hope that he can just be a more consistent uh, scorer, whether that means, you know, there's some plays actually drawn up for him. Because you know there was no plays drawn up for Ethan Morton. No, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. So, should that happen once or twice, okay. But, you know, maybe if he gets in the lane or shoots some mid-range, that's nice. But ultimately, I'd just prefer to see him be a consistent shooter. You know, you get two opportunities to shoot the three a game, make one of them. You know, if you do that, I think you're fine. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, You know, we want to see him. I I hesitate to put specific numbers on it, but I just, I want him to be able to be seen as a threat offensively. And I think that will just open things up for everyone out on the court, um, especially Zach Eady, because you can't have um, a guy his size be sagged on by, you know, three to four different players. That'll make things just so much harder for him. So to allow Ethan Morton to be an offensive threat and be seen as an offensive threat by opponents is the biggest thing that you can do. Yeah, absolutely. So there we go. Um, That is going to be it for Ethan Morton. We're going to take a break, come back, and look ahead to Purdue's revenge game uh, next season against Syracuse. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply and we are back so As promised, we're going to look ahead to Purdue's third game of the season. This is going to be the game against the Syracuse Orange. Uh, Of course, a return game from last season when Purdue lost in absolute wild fashion. Um, I mean, just a back-and-forth bizarre game. Final score, 32-29 to in that one. And, uh, I mean, Purdue had the lead with how many seconds left but somehow lost? Um, Just absolutely crazy. I believe it was a minute and eight seconds left. Um, yeah, yeah, and and had just scored to take the lead and then found a way to lose. It was absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, oof. That was that was really emblematic of Jeff Brom um, because it was like stupid penalties that gave Syracuse good field position, um, yep. just horrible turnovers, more stupid penalties. Uh, the, the penalties in that game were the absolute worst. And... Mm-hmm. Um, Here's a little behind the scenes for everyone. Uh, I was at Sesame Place last year during that game, so I did not watch it live. Um, So I I had it on my DVR, but I was getting text messages from everyone about like, oh my god, we took the lead, and I was trying to ignore them, so I I didn't look at my phone um, for a vast majority of the day. And then finally they just kept coming so fast that I assumed (laughs) something amazing had happened. And I look, and it's like, oh, my God, we took the lead with, like, a minute or whatever you said left, a minute eight, whatever it was. And I was like, oh, thank God, we're going to win. And then so at that point, we were leaving and going back to the car. And by the time we walked from Sesame Place to the parking lot, Purdue had allowed a touchdown, and the game was over. And I was like, what happened? And it was not a fun one to watch, especially when you know the outcome already. Fun fact about that final Syracuse drive Syracuse only completed one out of five passes that's, for 25 yards. That's just crazy. Yeah. 
I mean, it helps when you give them two unsportsmanlike penalties on the uh, drive before or on the point after before, right? right. And then a holding penalty and a PI. So I mean, they started the final drive at midfield. Yeah, which really hurts you. Really hurts yep. you. Not great. Oh, oh man. Yeah, I'm I'm getting all worked up just thinking about that game right there. <laughs> so, you have been doing all of our research. It's been great. Do you have anything for us on Syracuse, or are we just going to make this up as we go along? Well, they have some changes going on. One that you should know about because their star running back, Sean Tucker, got drafted by a specific um, Florida team. He did. Yeah, he's a Buccaneer. He is. So he is gone. He was a thousand yard. Yeah, he was good. He was good. Yep. Um, that being said, their quarterback, Garrett Schrader, is returning after a pretty good season last year. Completed 65% of his passes, threw for 2,600 yards, 17 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, and then also ran for almost 450 yards and 9 more touchdowns. So definitely a dual-threat quarterback. Yeah. Which, you know, Purdue always handles great, and we've never had a problem with them throughout the history of Purdue football. So I'm not worried about that one bit. Yeah, I mean, he only rushed for 83 yards last season against Purdue. Yeah. Um, But, you know, we kept him from throwing the ball that well. Yeah, I mean, if you can make him one-dimensional, that's that's good. One-dimensional is good. We'll take that. And if you make the dimension of the quarterback his legs, usually you're in a good spot. True, true. So, but he is coming back. So, um, that being said, he will have a new offensive coordinator this year. His name is Jason Beck. So, you know, whenever you have a new offensive coordinator coming in, things can change. Yeah. Just scheme wise. Um, I think that you might see Syracuse kind of go to a more, uh, pass heavy offense this year if possible just because you lost sean tucker you know that's kind of sort of your bread and butter last season um favorite stats coming up 370 passes 444 rushes okay so more run so, heavy for sure yeah so you could see that change up and garrett schrader might reap the benefits of that um that being said not too too many um returning receivers and tight ends his number one target last year oronde gadston the guy who caught the touchdown right. on the final drive against purdue he is returning so he's like he's like a kyle pitts type um guy that's basically like a hybrid tight end receiver so and again again hybrid tight end receiver a position purdue has never had trouble with especially going over the middle right you know never never <laughs> not once so. Well, I'm sure they'll scheme for everybody else. So, but he is returning. Um, but not too too many of the offense is coming back, other than those uh, main two guys. Okay. So you'll have to see some guys try and step up that were you know previously just not at the top. So some incoming juniors and seniors. Um, that being said. That can always be a toss-up. You never really know how yeah. they can mesh, yeah. how they do. So, offense could be in flux. How does like, how does the uh, offensive line look? 
Offensive line is, I believe, has a few changes. I think two. Um, I want to say one of their guards and one of their uh, tackles are gone. Okay. So, obviously, with tackle, that always plays a, you know, that's always an important position. So, we'll see. That being said, they did allow 32 sacks last season. Right. Yeah, they they definitely struggled to protect the quarterback. But a lot of that may have to do also with the style of play that they ran. When you put your quarterback out there to run, um, if he fails to find an opening, that will go down as a sack, and that often can't be put truly on the offensive line. Yeah, and Purdue was right there at average last year, too. Um, They had two sacks in the game last season, so right around where Syracuse offensive line was averaging it, you know, it meshed pretty well. Now the weird thing about Syracuse's season was they started the season six and zero, and they were, they, I think they got up to 15th in the country. Like they were doing hot and then it just all collapsed. Then they dropped five straight games to get to six and five and ended the season seven and six overall. So, Essentially, they hit the hard part of their ACC conference schedule with Clemson, Notre Dame, uh, North Carolina, who they actually beat. Uh, They lost to Pitt, Florida State. Oh, NC State, right? Not North Carolina. uh, Yes, correct. Yeah. So they, yeah, that ACC schedule, it was really, uh, really heavy in the middle. Yeah, it was a tough four-game stretch there. Yeah. So they had a rough time. Then they actually lost to Minnesota in the Pinstripe Bowl. And I'm kind of happy they went to the Pinstripe Bowl and not Purdue. But be that as it may. Um, so they had an up and down season. And everyone was saying the head coach, Dino Babers, was coming into the season on the hot seat. Then he went 6-0. and that'll, that'll remove you from the hot seat real quick, starting 6-0. and Right. But going one and six in your next seven kind of puts you a little bit back on it. Yeah, right. So Syracuse are coming in with both a new offensive and defensive coordinator this season. Yeah, that when that happens, it is almost a sign that the coach is on life support because right. either they were told, hey, you've got to make some changes or you're going to be gone or the coach just knows, you know, because they've been in the business long enough that they know I was already on the hot seat. I didn't have a stellar year, so I need to make some changes. So I, I can't, I'm not going to fire myself. So I'm going to fire the two guys directly below me and hopefully make a change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what do we, what do we know about the Syracuse defense? Um, obviously, you know, Purdue did decent, you know, did a decent job last year on them, scored 29 points. Uh, took the lead with with just over a minute to go, so it, it's not like they were a powerhouse last year. Um, but what what do we know? Uh, what have they lost? What have they gained? Yeah, so their defense returns all six of their front end. Fantastic. Yeah, and that's a front end that allowed a total of seventy six rushing yards to Purdue last year on twenty one rush attempts. Yeah, but but look. Look at that box score um, and tell me who's getting those rush attempts. That would be 10 of those went to Devin Downing. Seven of those you went to... You mean Dylan to Downing. Dylan Downing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm reading ahead here. Devin Mockaby got seven. Yeah. 
So, so th that was really before the mock train had left the station. So uh, I'm wondering if, I mean, obviously, I think we all agree at this point that Maccabi is the better running back. Um, right. So it's a question of how he will do in a full-time role against a Syracuse defense that it sounds like uh, should be pretty familiar to him with those front six, front seven. Yeah. So um, definitely look forward to that battle in the game. Yeah. Um, their back end, though, is going to have some changes. And this is a back end that Purdue threw the ball very well against. I mean, Aiden O'Connell had over 400 yards. Mind you, he had to throw 56 times right. because the rushing game was just not there. Non-existent, um, more or less. Right. Where they did struggle last year, despite all uh, having all six defensive front starters coming back, they only had um, they didn't have many sacks. Just they didn't have many pressures last year, and they would love to improve on that. I mean, obviously, another year of experience helps, but um, they did not fare very well with that last season. They yeah. Had, um, Ten interceptions, nine force or fumble recoveries, so that's a pretty respectable mark. Nineteen turnovers on the season, right? But yeah, where where they struggled was getting to the quarterback, and even even a non-mobile quarterback like Aiden O'Connell, who um, just doesn't move in the pocket, correct? Um, didn't get sacked at all last year. Yeah, which is. And especially early in the season, I mean, the Purdue offensive line did better than I think anybody expected last year, but they were certainly still growing as a unit um, in that game against Syracuse. So to allow no sacks, I think really tells you that even though the Syracuse defense did a good job of slowing down the Purdue running game, they weren't exactly world beaters as far as getting to the quarterback. So that is hopefully something that, that carries over to this season. Um, with so much change on the Purdue offensive line, um, new coordinators, new head coach, you know, new quarterback, hopefully um, we can still keep the quarterback's jersey clean against them once again. Yeah, funny enough, they did record one sack in that game last season. Unfortunately, it wasn't on Aiden O'Connell. It was on T.J. Sheffield. Ah, uh, yes, perfect. So, That—that's what you want. Yeah, so. and that—that that may be more of a play design sack than uh, yes. allowing some some great defense there by Syracuse. Right. Uh, so defensively, there's you figure their scheme wise is going to be very similar. Like I said, they're just they need to try and get to more pressure on quarterback. So. I think it's going to be even more important for them this year, considering the uh, quarterback that Purdue is going to be rolling out who can actually run. So um, we're not going to have any baseball slides from Hudson Card here. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. So that fares well for Purdue um, come this time. And, you know, not to be taken lightly, this game is not going to be in the Syracuse Dome. Right. So right. that's important. Yeah, so I, I pulled up the box score from last year's game. Purdue scored with 51 seconds left to take the lead, and then mm. Syracuse scored with seven seconds seven left seconds. to, to yeah. finish the game. But you look at the team stats overall, and it is just kind of astounding. Total yards, Purdue 485, Syracuse 306. Passing yards, Purdue 424, Syracuse 181. Rushing yards, Purdue 61, Syracuse 125. 
yards per play, Purdue 6.3, Syracuse 4.7. So Purdue really dominated offensively, just couldn't, you know, continuously get the ball in the end zone and kept giving Syracuse just great field position due to boneheaded penalties, um, especially that the couple, I believe there were two, um, after that final Purdue touchdown. And it, it was just, they just could not recover from those boneheaded penalties. So I'm optimistic about this game because I think if Purdue takes care of their business, they're a better football team than Syracuse. Um, right. And they were a better football team in Syracuse last year if they were disciplined. But they weren't mm-hmm. disciplined, and they gave the game away. Um, so I guess in that sense, they weren't a better football team. You know, I'm contradicting myself within seconds here. But um, right. discipline is part of football, and Purdue just didn't have it at times last year. Um, and this Syracuse game was, you know, bullet point one on on that argument. So, you know, is there anything else we need to know about Syracuse? Um. I've got some special teams numbers. Love it. Okay. Their kicker went 20 of 26 from field goals. Pretty good for a college kicker. Yeah, did not miss a single extra point. Okay. Uh, They punted 52 times. The average net yards on the punt was 34. So respectable numbers from the punting game. Yeah. Now, how many? do we know how many punts they need to get to a Culver's? I do not know how many uh, punts they are with that, McCulver. Okay, well, that's fine, but I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm sure they're about five punts away from, like, a Jersey Mike's. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's probably true. Yeah, or maybe so, maybe a Sparrow's, uh, right. Michael, Michael Scott's favorite New York slice. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's see. I got some miscellaneous stats. All right. 0 for 4 onside. Did not convert any of them. Good. That's hard to do. That is. You know, unless you're doing that watermelon kick, that's really hard to do. <laughs> uh, um, and surprisingly, we, we talked about penalties and Purdue being the less disciplined team in this one. Syracuse averaged almost nine penalties a game. That's a lot of penalties. Mm-hmm. So, 63 penalty yards a game. Wow. So, not ideal. And you wonder, you know, that's one of those things where I feel like that doesn't change much over the course of a coach's tenure just because it's, you know, it seems to be more of a coaching thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But with that said, I mean, there's ins and outs. Um, Let's see. I think that's about all I have stats-wise. Not too many transfers with Syracuse, in or out. Not too many uh, high-profile players, I should say. Yeah, well, the problem with trying to get a transfer to Syracuse is they have to live in Syracuse, um, Mm. which, you know, you're like, oh, it's New York. And then you're like, well, it's not New York City, so... Yeah, it's upstate New York. Yeah, it's it's upstate New York. In fact, somebody, and I can't remember who it was, uh, it, it was a football player, basketball player, committed to Syracuse, and the image they put with their commitment on Twitter was them, like, arms spread in Manhattan, and all the responses were like, oh, this person is going to be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is not what you think it is, young man. Yeah, that's like saying Purdue is in Chicago. Yeah. So, ugh. Um, also should be noted that Purdue did throw that pick six in the game. So that did not help their case. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was probably the worst interception of Aiden O'Connell's career. Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. So when you gift them those and penalties, it doesn't help. Yeah. But 
here's hoping this team fares much better this season in Ross Aid. Yeah, and I think they will. I'm I'm pretty optimistic about this game, but uh, I was optimistic about playing at Syracuse last year. So you know what do yeah. I know? Um, Purdue just, has never lost to Syracuse at home. That's true. Uh, played them in 2004, my freshman year. Uh, I think we beat them like 59 to nothing. 51. 51, okay. I knew it was close. Uh, yep. It was just an embarrassment for Syracuse. Um, the back of the, the student section shirts, which they then had to like recall and reprint uh, because apparently they like did some copyright infringement or trademark infringement. I'm not sure what they did. Um, Love that. The, the back of the shirts each had, like, a saying for each game that year. Um, and for Syracuse, it was, like, squeeze the orange or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah. So uh, I just remember oh. that game. It was an absolute joke of a game. I mean, we didn't it, – it was over before it began. Um, yeah. So hopefully it's another one like that this year uh, in Ross-Aid. But coming out of a different tunnel this year. So it's going to it's gonna look a lot better. It will. And that begs the question, where do you stand on Syracuse's mascot? I like him. you find it incredibly dumb, like some people? No, I like him. He's a giant orange. What's not to like? He wears a baseball hat. It's just so ridiculous. And he has the big glove hands. Is he better or worse than Stanford's? Oh, better. Because the Stanford tree is just... Mm. And, I mean, there's there's a strong history in sports of, you know, the anthropomorphized I probably but I butchered that a little bit um mascot of whatever it may be I mean the Cincinnati Reds their mascot is a baseball head you know I mean and he walks around so uh, maybe it's because I've I've grown up a Reds fan and I'm used to just basically round round mascots with nothing else going on yeah I mean it makes sense Mr. Mrs. Met yeah meet the Mets greet the Mets come on down and meet the Mets and being a Cubs fan, I'm used to actually having a bear as my mascot, like an actual like animal. <laughs> I I don't know how I feel about just a big orange. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Uh, again, if you're gonna have a mascot, like if your team is just gonna be the orange, you, you got to do something with it. You got to kind of be a little bit goofy. So I respect him for sticking with it this whole time. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there, so there we go, folks. Uh, we're 50-50 on the mascot, uh, but overall looking forward to the game against Syracuse because uh, I'm sure I speak for Ryan when I say I want my revenge. Um, uh, that mm-hmm. game last year left a bad taste in my mouth, so I'm looking forward uh, to squeezing the orange in the 2023 football season. So, Ryan, if you've got nothing else, I think that's an it, it for us. Good source of vitamin C. There you go. Vitamin C, folks. I've got some in my fridge upstairs. I'm going to go have a big glass. Boiler up. Hammer down.